0: this is the motherfucking blunt doctor show on a motherfucking wednesday as it was and it always should be let us begin this season with a note a note about two of my favorite people on this planet two people who annoy a lot of people but who give me the strength to continue on when i annoy the fuck out of myself and i want to quit and i want to preface this by saying There will be some slight spoilers from Top Gun Maverick in this speech. So if you haven't seen Top Gun Maverick yet, number one, shame on you for not seeing one of the most badass movies ever. But also, if you don't want a spoiler, don't listen to this part. There is a scene in Top Gun Maverick in which Maverick speaks to Iceman. Iceman being Val Kilmer, now an admiral, who also is undergoing cancer not only in real life but in the movie, and I was talking to my friend Keith, friend of the show, good friend. Let's have you on again soon in season two, baby. And my friend Keith says to me, I felt like that scene was Tom Cruise talking to the audience, not just Maverick talking to Iceman. And he was right. And the contents of that scene were as follows. The scene is essentially Iceman telling Maverick that he needs to give up on being a fighter pilot, give up on that uh, part of life. And focus on training the youth in the Top Gun program. And Maverick looks at Iceman and says, I don't know how to do that. This is who I am. It's not what I am. It's who I am. Being a fighter pilot is who I am. And Keith was saying to me that Tom Cruise was not talking just about, you know, the lines from this movie. But he was talking to us, the fans, about his inability to stop mission impossible dead reckoning part one comes out a year from now and i am fucking excited for that mission impossible dead reckoning part two comes out two years from now they're both filmed but the point is tom cruise can't stop in the way that maverick couldn't stop and in the way that tom brady couldn't stop you've all seen the Hertz commercial by now where tom brady is jokingly directing a commercial then realizes he just needed a vacation and then he's going back to the league these motherfuckers are my idols because no matter what stands in front of them no matter what attacks them no matter who tells them you suck at this you're not good at this anymore i don't enjoy this they keep fucking going and doing exactly what they want to do and that is exactly what i am going to do for the rest of goddamn time I think the biggest flaw in every single human, whether it's me, whether it's you or anyone else, is that we listen too much to outside forces who tell us this is good, this is bad, this is blah, blah, blah. We all have these incredible flaws And so many of us are so desperate for the attention of outsiders, and I am so hugely at the center of this. I'm talking about myself right now. So often I have said to myself, well, if I don't get X number of listeners on this episode, I'm clearly doing a shit job. And the singular greatest lesson I can take from the two people that I love most is that nobody fucking matters but yourself. Put the blinders on and do your own goddamn thing. Do it forever. Do it for however the fuck long you want it. Do it until the wheels fall off because there's one life. One. Maybe there's more. Maybe we reincarnate. Maybe, who knows? But for most of us, if we do reincarnate, we don't get to remember those things. And all we get to remember is this one life. And you should do what the fuck you want to do until the goddamn wheels come off. As much as I hate to quote Tim Duncan, it's true. All right? Don't quit. Don't give up. Never stop doing what you want to do. Do exactly what you want to do. Whatever the fuck it is. Because there's literally one of these lives. You get one that we know of. But you get one. You don't get a second chance to do the things that you want to do. Regret is literally the worst thing in the world. You should chase all of your dreams. Anything that makes you happy. Without hurting others, of course. That caveat shouldn't need to be said. But of course, in this world, it does. But you should always chase what makes you you. So often we tell people you're too old for this. You're too young for this. You're too this for this. You're too that for this. Whatever the case may be. Who gives a fuck? Nobody controls your destiny but yourself. Nobody tells you who to be but yourself. And nobody pays your bills but you. You should never listen to anyone on the outside who tries to construct their own reality for you. And I'm telling myself this, but I'm also telling you this because I know there are people who need to hear it. Because I need to hear it. And if I need to hear it, someone else does. The whole point of every single thing that we do on this planet is to build the reality that we want. And capitalism has convinced us that's not true. That we need to follow some sort of societal norm that everyone else dictates by the majority or on the whole. That's not it. This is your world. This is your life. And you should do whatever the fuck you want to do with it. And that's what I'm going to do. Welcome to season two. One thing I'm going to be introducing on this season is something you'll be familiar with from probably every other podcast on earth. And they're called segments. Typically, I switch my microphone on, say what I want to say and switch off. And that's how I do it. But this season, I want to get a little bit more structured. Just want to try something different. Want to see what it's like. When I actually organize my thoughts instead of just scream them like a banshee at the microphone. So, we're going to be getting into it in different segments this year. Well, last season was two years. Uh, Who knows? Two years, 77 episodes, whatever. A year and a half, maybe? I don't know. The point is, this season, however long it is, is going to actually be divided and split up organized and thought out maybe five percent more than before so it's going to be very exciting but I'll tell you what when Tom Brady did retire there for that two months that was a real dark time for me so you know when you consider all of all of the other timelines and how horrible things could have been spending an extra five percent of energy to try to organize the show a little better is uh, not such a horrible thing I'll tell you why the reason those things connect to me is because I basically thought I wasted Tom Brady's final season not talking about Tom Brady. And now that I know that we are headed into probably his final season, who knows what may occur, but most likely the final season, I'm going to chronicle every single game. Much more in-depth than I would have. We're going to talk about a lot of things, and I also have a subsequent series plan for when he does retire. Details I'm not going to discuss, but something I started working on this year when he did retire... And Yeah, I believe I've mentioned that before. I don't know. But those are things that are on the docket in the future. But nonetheless, I am ready. I am prepared. And I want to start with a new segment that I am calling the News Rant of the Day. We have reached an embarrassing point on guns in this country. Whether or not you believe in the right to bear arms or you're a Second Amendment psychopath or an NRA member, I don't care. This shit is getting ridiculous. And I've never been a big time gun person. I've never been someone who spends a lot of time worrying or caring about guns. I'm not someone who's like gone out of their way to try to say the Second Amendment shouldn't exist. I mean, I believe in the Socialist Rifle Administration way more than I believe in the national rifle administration. So, I'm not necessarily saying there's no place for guns ever. I'm not even trying to be that guy. But I do want to say this that when we reach a point where I have to learn how to operate weapons and I have to become a person who knows how to use guns because of a potential incoming, you know, civil war, that's pathetic. This country is pathetic. If we reach a point where you literally have to know how to use guns because so many psycho, ridiculous assholes have them, it's pathetic. And we've honestly reached the point in this country where every single conservative in America is a whiny little bitch boy. You're just a whiny little bitch boy and I need to carry my gun to feel safe because everything makes me scared and I'm afraid of everyone and I can't defend myself so I need a gun. You're all little bitch boy pathetic loser ass losers. I don't even know what the fuck else to say. So many Americans are so afraid of their own fucking shadow that they need to carry a gun around to fire at every single thing that ever comes within 10 feet of them that's because you're afraid you're a little pathetic bitch boy loser if you have to carry a concealed gun when you go to circle k you're a pathetic loser and you're scared it means you're scared of people like me who could whoop your fucking ass without any effort i am bigger than just about everyone and i could whoop ass all fucking day if i wanted to But I'm a person with a brain who understands that that's unnecessary. But I walk around this state all the time, and I see all these pathetic, whiny little bitch boys with their guns and their license plates about how they own guns and their NRA bumper stickers, and they're all 5'1", and they're all scared to death. You're scared to death if you walk around with a gun. It means you're a little pathetic bitch boy who's scared to death. You're afraid of everyone around you. You think that everyone is tougher than you. You think that you can't survive without a weapon of mass violence because you're not strong. That's what owning a gun means. That's what having a concealed carry permit really means. It means that you're pathetic and you don't actually think that you can defend yourself. That's what it actually means. If you need a gun for self defense, you're actually saying, I am a pathetic weakling who can't defend myself. That's literally what you're saying. All these Americans who run around with their license plates, I don't dial 911, I dial 357. Good for you. You have a gigantic gun because you're short and you're pathetic and you're insecure. I could whoop the ass of any person who walks around with a gun. Okay? Any of them. Any of them. Just fucking let's do it. If you're a conservative, call me out on Twitter, let's do this. I will fucking fist fight you and I will beat the shit out of you because you're a pathetic loser who is deathly afraid of doing anything that's your weapon because you're not a grown ass adult because an adult knows how to defend themselves. An adult does not need a weapon in a basic conflict. When someone starts talking shit to them, an adult knows how to handle themselves But a pathetic little loser insecure bitch boy does not And that's why you walk around with your gun. And that's why you walk around and drive around with your NRA bumper sticker. And that's why we all laugh at you and make fun of you. Anyone who needs a concealed carry permit is a loser. Okay? You're not stopping anything. None of you with a concealed carry permit have stopped any of these shootings in the United States. You haven't stopped a single mass shooting at any of these schools, at any of these places. This hasn't happened. No one with a concealed carry permit has ever fucking done anything except shot an innocent person because they were an insecure, pathetic, bitch boy, loser. You're a loser. Carrying a gun means you're pathetic and insecure and you're a loser. That's it. I don't care. I'm sure that plenty of people that I know are going to be like, well, blah, 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 blah. Well, if you're afraid of the people around you, that's fine. Good for you. Guns have specific purposes. There are certain animals that need to be hunted. Fair enough. There are certain situations, you know, uh, I'm I'm sure there are certain situations with with violent criminals that potentially could theoretically need a weapon. That's why in other countries, police have to like write up reports and check out weapons before those situations. They don't just carry them around willy-nilly and just hope that every single situation that they run into is the Old West. Cops are bitch boys in the same way that anyone running around with a concealed carry weapon is a bitch boy. You don't need a gun. Nobody's threatening you. This is not a war zone. We're regular people. And yet you're all terrified. And I think it's because of people like me. Because I'm tall, because I'm wide, because I'm heavyset, because I could beat your fucking ass without hesitation. So what do you have to do? You have to carry around your little weapon that makes sure that you could kill me so that I wouldn't embarrass you. Because you're insecure. Carrying a gun is a tremendous sign of insecurity, even more than the sports car. If you meet a guy with a sports car and a concealed carry license, you just run away from that dude because that is the most insecure person in the history of the world. And I can't believe we've literally reached a point where conservatives, all these people who, you know, self-style themselves as tough guys, literally can't even like enter a boxing ring arena without carrying their weapon. You're all afraid. You all are like, oh, soy boy Antifa, but then you talk about us being super soldiers with guns and all these things, so you have to get your AR-15s or whatever. You're terrified. You're scared little whiny bitches, every single one of you. Every single conservative is a bitch, every single one. My father, conservative, bitch. My father's a bitch, bitch. Fuck that guy, okay? That's how I feel about that. So if you want to think I won't bring this shit close to home, I will. My father's an insecure bitch. That's exactly who the fuck he is. You think he could raise me to be that one? No, because I'm a real ass fucking person. And I don't fucking run away from everything. Much like conservatives do, run away from everything because they're scared of everything. Because you're whiny little bitches. (laughs) They might look at me wrong. I have to shoot them. I have to stand my ground. You're a fucking loser. And I'm fucking tired of like having decorum or pretending whatever or, well, let's talk. No, 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 no. We don't need to talk about it. We've reached a point where the Socialist Rifle Administration has to become a major thing because the NRA has convinced too many people that they need guns to defend themselves against the nothing that's out there. And it is pathetic. And now I have to literally learn how to operate guns and be knowledgeable about them just because we live in a world where that could theoretically be a thing. It's not even something I want to do, but I have to know about it because all of you are insecure and I have to be afraid that one of you fucking morons might start a civil war one day. And if a civil war starts, I have to know how to do something because you're all so insecure and so afraid of your own shadow that you walk around with guns. So now I have to know how to operate one in case a war starts. It's, it's fucking insane. I will never carry a gun. I want to be really clear about that. I will never get a concealed carry license. I will never carry a gun. I will never, ever do that. Nobody needs to. But I guess I have to be knowledgeable about how to use them. The Republicans shouldn't be the only ones who know how to use guns, folks. They want to carry them around. They want to run around like they're in a little old west cosplay. We should know how to use them. That's a fact. And if that fact terrifies people, then maybe we should all recognize that there's an incoming civil war and we need to chill the fuck out and make some real gun laws. If these things scare you, then it's really simple. Gun laws. No one should be able to buy a gun that day. No one should be able to buy a gun the same day. I don't care if it's a gun show loophole. I don't care if it's a... You don't need a gun today. You never need a gun today. Ever. For any reason. If it's a last minute hunt, too bad. You missed the hunt. You never need a gun today. There should always be a waiting period. There should always be something in the way from a spree killing. And if these things scare you, then you need to recognize the situation that we're in. Because we're that close to a fucking fascist tipping point. That's how far we've gotten in this country. That you have to know how to use a gun even if you don't believe in them because the fascists can't be the only ones who know how to use guns when they have that much power. That's the world we live in. That's what baby boomers have wrought. That's what they have allowed. So, if you feel the need to have a concealed carry permit, you're a bitch. And I'm not taking that back. And I don't care you're afraid of someone like me who could whoop your ass that's it fuck you fuck you for making this country this insane and if any of you are adults you will tear up your permits you will turn in your guns you'll stop carrying around weapons of destruction for no fucking reason and we will start creating some laws that stop letting people buy guns day of stop letting anyone buy assault weapons ever and change this country for the fucking better And if you think those things are bad, fuck you, you're a piece of shit. I don't give a fuck. Fuck you. I now will transition to a take that I think will make people roughly just as angry as the fire that I just spit. Slims will be angry at me over this. Twitter will be angry at me over this. The world will be angry at me over this. Suns fans will be angry at me over this. Lakers Twitter will be angry at me over this, but there's one group that will agree with me. Steph Curry is a better player all time than Kobe Bryant. And I know that that's difficult for a lot of people to hear, and I know that it's difficult for a lot of people to comprehend because Kobe's game was more varied than Steph and in a lot of ways more complete than Steph. But Steph's game is simply more devastating and more effective than Kobe's was. And it's more efficient And the history of their careers, when you look at them, it's pretty clear that Steph Curry is a better player than Kobe Bryant. And again, this is not to say that Kobe isn't a great player, but Kobe gets put into like top five and top 10 debates and he shouldn't be there. And I'm only bringing this up because I see people all the time saying, well, Steph hasn't won a finals MVP and Steph this and that blah 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 but those same people will trash Kevin Durant for not winning without Steph and the simple fact of the matter is that Steph Curry repeatedly has been the offensive focal point of a finals team I mean six of eight years now it's it's you know it's not unprecedented it's happened but it's damn near unprecedented and Steph is an incredible player. And we don't put him in we don't put him at the top. He doesn't get talked about as like the best, you know, one of the best dudes of all time. People if you say oh Steph is the best point guard of all time, people laugh at you. Like it's a joke, like it's not a realistic discussion. The two best point guards of all time are Magic Johnson and Steph Curry. Now, the argument that you would make and it's valid that Steph Curry is not technically a point guard fine He doesn't play the position like a point guard fine call him a shooting guard Then he's the second best shooting guard of all time behind Michael Jordan Like what do you want from me? Steph is one of the best players on the planet And I love Kobe Bryant Kobe's attitude is something that we all aspire to still to this day But he gets put in arguments he doesn't belong in Kobe was an awesome secondary player but Shaq was the reason that the Lakers won their first three titles. Then they were floundering for years until they got Pau Gasol. Then suddenly were, they were in the finals again. Kobe was in an era where the big man was everything. Now, maybe Kobe Bryant today, if you had young Kobe today in this league, maybe it would be a different thing. And I can understand where some people want to take Kobe out of where he was and put him in today's league and say, oh, man, Kobe could do this and that. And fine. The simple fact of the matter is that Kobe was riding shotgun on every single championship that he won. I don't care if you want to sit here and tell me, well, was Powell was the second, you know, he was the secondary option, blah, 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 blah. Kobe didn't sniff the fucking finals until Powell showed up. Kobe was literally toiling on a team that had nothing, couldn't do anything, as he scored and scored and nothing. Then they got Pao Gasol, suddenly they were in the finals. I'm not saying that Pau Gasol was a better player than Kobe Bryant. I'm saying that Shaq was a better player than Kobe Bryant and that Powell and Kobe were basically equitably responsible for their championships. Pau Gasol got to the Lakers in his prime and helped them win two titles because he was in his fucking prime. And people want to give those titles to Kobe as if Powell had nothing to do with them. And it's nonsense. It's fucking nonsense. Steph Curry has spent his entire career with his second best player fluctuating between Klay Thompson and Draymond Green. Now, those two are phenomenal. But if you're going to tell me that Draymond Green has the same, you know, effect on the game as Shaq, you're drunk. You're drunk. Draymond Green is not Shaq. Draymond Green is awesome. He's not fucking Shaq. Kobe had fucking prime Shaq, man. How does that ever get talked about? Steph Curry has never done anything near fucking prime Shaq. And yet he's in his goddamn fucking sixth finals. It's ridiculous. He's in his sixth finals. And by the way, Clay is no longer Clay. And Dre is no longer Dre. And they're still there. I don't even understand how the Warriors made the finals. And the answer is Steph Curry. Because he's such a fucking ridiculous supernova. And I have downplayed this guy at times. After playing him up for years. I've gone back and forth on Steph Curry. I can freely fucking acknowledge that. But I shouldn't have been. I should have been where I stuck originally. That this dude is just something special. And his ability to shoot the percentages that he shoots at the volume that he shoots, it's unprecedented. Now, you might tell me shooting threes is not basketball. Fine. Then move back to three-point line, widen the court and make it more difficult for him. I'm not gonna disagree with you that the game has gotten easier for dudes who can back triples. So make it more difficult. Change things. You can't get mad at a dude for excelling with the rules and the simple fact of the matter is that Steph Curry has had more positive impact on the basketball court than most players in the history of basketball and he deserves to be in those top 10 discussions he deserves to be up there and he's not because people always take everything away from him well he wasn't as good in these finals he wasn't as whatever his gravity pulls the entire fucking defense towards him Everyone run. There are various pictures from game two where there's four fucking Celtics defending him. It's always been that way. And it doesn't matter if someone else gets the dunk. Curry's the reason that there are four dudes guarding him. And we're past the fucking point where we can sit here and, oh, this explanation and this and this and that. Steph Curry is one of the best players of all time. It pains me to fucking say this, okay? I don't like it. The Suns had a deal to acquire Steph Curry draft night and the Warriors changed their minds now they have championships upon championships because of it. Okay? I'm not fucking happy about this. But it's stupid to pretend it's not true. And the only reason I'm saying this is because Kobe is revered. And this has nothing. Kobe passed away is sad. But Kobe was revered this way before that. And I'm not trying to talk about that at all. But Kobe has always been put by fans, and on this pedestal is, I'm this dude, I'm that dude, I'm at the top, Kobe's amazing, he's not better than Steph Curry, he's not better than a lot of dudes, he's not Michael Jordan, he's not in the top 10, Steph Curry is at that cusp, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, these dudes are right at that cusp of like top 10, they're right there, and I think if you had to choose between the two, you've got to choose Steph, Steph has done it without KD, KD hasn't done it without Steph. In fact, KD has looked downright human without Steph, and Steph has continued to look like an unstoppable supernova. Now, this is coming off one of Steph's worst seasons of his career when we thought, well, maybe not, blah, 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 Then he gets in the playoffs and he's Steph Curry again. He deserves the spot that no one wants to give him. And the reason that I'm making this argument is because I still see people out there right now. Like, oh, Curry isn't whatever, and the way they defend him, and blah, 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 blah. Dude, this guy is a monster just give him his fucking due what does it take to give people their due, let it go, we just gotta stop Steph is a top 10 all time player, and if you wanna sit here and debate me specifically about the top 10 all time players, fine, I'm willing to throw out the guys that you're asking me if I'm willing to throw them out, because Steph would bomb them out of any era now if you're gonna tell me, well what if you didn't play with the two, okay fine, if you played in an era without a three pointer, then whatever, what do you want from me But he deserves the spot that everyone wants to give to everyone else. Steph is Steph is in that top 10. And at this point, denying that is just fucking stupid. And we've all got to look ourselves in the face. And we've all got to be frustrated. And we've all got to just acknowledge what is. And just acknowledge that this skinny motherfucking shooter is one of the best of all time. And we can sit here and... He's never had the teammates. I mean, he's had really great players. But Klay Thompson can't create his own shot. Draymond Green can't create his own shot. Everything that goes on on the Warriors comes off of Steph's ability to do everything and what he can do with just a little bit of daylight. He's the engine. And we just got to fucking... He's the engine and the turbocharger. And I, I just... I'm tired of fucking sitting here trying to downplay what Steph Curry does because of a couple of bad years. Everyone suffers through bad years. Let's give Steph his due. Put him where he belongs. Stop the Ray Allen discussion. Steph is the best shooter of all time and he deserves to be discussed with the best players of all time. No one does it. I'm doing it now. It needs to be done. That's what it is. Now we'll turn to my NFL take of the day, and I intend to eventually get, like, little intro cards or whatever to these segments, but, yeah, you know, I'm coming up with the shit on the fly. Fuck you. Anyway, the point is, posted a tweet on Twitter, and I basically said that if I was an NFL GM, I'd be willing to acquire Baker Mayfield right now just based on the fact that he's going to be the most motivated fucking human on Earth headed into next season. This does not mean that I think that Baker Mayfield is an elite quarterback or that I think he's going to be a top quarterback in the league or anything of that sort. I just think that sometimes when you're at the bottom of the barrel and you're scraping, when you have the most fucking motivated person in the world because of how they've been dragged through the mud, you know, I might look at that dude. And, you know, a few people were like, yeah, and, you know, sort of commenting on the Deshaun Watson situation, which, you know, we don't really need to get into. It's ugly. Um... And it's not a football situation. It's hard to talk about Deshaun Watson from a football perspective because it's not a football situation. So I don't even know how you go into that. I will just say it seems like Deshaun Watson is probably not going to play this year. And it seems like the Browns made some poor choices. And I'm not saying that Baker Mayfield is necessarily the answer to everything. But I do want to say a few things about this. Number one, everyone has dogged Baker Mayfield like he's ass. He's not great. He's not. He's, he's decent. There are a lot of dudes who have been garbage. But I feel like Jimmy Garoppolo has gotten a lot more chances than Baker Mayfield. And I'm not exactly sure why. Maybe it's just that he's a little bit taller and more handsome. Is that really what the fuck it is? I don't know. I'm not some big Baker Mayfield supporter, by the way. I'm not an Oklahoma guy at all. Baker has also said pro police shit, so fuck him for that. But everyone is acting like he's garbage and never played a good season of football, and that's simply not true. Number one, a couple years ago, everyone was in love with him, and then this year he played through an injured shoulder, and then suddenly he's garbage? Everyone is so fucking reactionary. I mean, number one, we all know that Baker has trouble hitting guys over. You know, he can't hit receivers in the mid-range He's not I understand some of those things. Great, Joe Flacco won a Super Bowl only fucking throwing deep balls on play action. Okay, it is not the end of the fucking world if your quarterback is only good at deep balls and play action. That's Baker's specialty. Sometimes that shit works. Okay, so that he's not an elite mid-level passer who can slice across the zone and pick apart every. Fine, I'm not trying to say you should be paying him top money but look at what some of these teams are fucking doing you're seriously telling me the Panthers are going to be good with Sam Darnold and whatever dude they can find who used to play for Matt Rule like fresh out of the CFL or whatever you're trying to tell me that the Seahawks and Drew Locke are all set give me a fucking break we all know that the Steelers want Baker if the Browns ever cut Baker the Steelers would sign him in a minute despite drafting Kenny Pickett despite signing Mitch Trubisky they wouldn't care They'd sign Baker in a heartbeat because they know there's some potential there. And I'm not trying to say that Baker is so incredible, but Trent Dilfer, Joe Flacco, fucking a, a lot of dudes have won Super Bowls who, you know, Matt Stafford won a Super Bowl this year. And we can all sit here now and say, well, Matt is one of the best in the game, blah, blah. but people ragged on Matt Stafford for years. And he won a Super Bowl. Now, he has more of an arm than those dudes, obviously. But my point is is that dudes who failed in a lot of situations can suddenly become successful in the right situation if you optimize what they have. Joe Flacco never would have won a Super Bowl on any other team other than a Ravens team that prioritized defense and prioritized just fucking flinging the ball downfield. If Joe Flacco was put into the Brown system, he never would have won shit. The point that I am making is that, especially in football, above every other sport, fit matters above all else. And I do not fucking understand how the Seahawks don't want Baker Mayfield on their team. Straight up, I don't get it. Baker Mayfield is literally a perfect fit for the Seahawks. Run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, and then heave it downfield sometimes. That's literally all Pete Carroll wants to do. He wants to run constantly and then chuck it downfield sometimes. He doesn't want to, like run a complex passing offense with, you know, a multi-tiered route tree. He doesn't want to run Earnhardt Perkins. He wants to run the goddamn ball and throw it deep. Baker fucking Mayfield is perfect for that. And some people were trying to dog me about this tweet. It's like, that's where he should be. Drew Locke is a joke. He's never done anything in Denver, and he certainly didn't have the success that Baker's had in Cleveland. We're forgetting that Baker, Baker Mayfield got the Browns to the playoffs, dude. Like, do you not? Like, he got the Browns to the playoffs! Is that not, like, enough for people? Jesus fucking Christ! The Browns were in the playoffs! That doesn't mean anything to someone. And this is the world that we live in right now, right? Where doing incredible, miraculous things means nothing if you didn't win the Super Bowl every year in your rookie contract or something. Like, it's just absurd. And I'm not trying to say that Baker is whatever. He's the next coming of blah, blah, blah. But... When you're trying to explain to me how Sam Darnold and Drew Locke make more sense because you don't have to pay guaranteed money or something, you're fucking stupid. The Sam Darnold situation is stupid because they already picked up his contract and have guaranteed money, and they don't want to have guaranteed money for both of them. Fine, guess what, folks? You're screwed anyway. You're going to lose with Sam Darnold. Baker Mayfield might give you an additional 10% chance of winning games to save your job, and you don't have to give up anything to get him. Why wouldn't you try that? For the Seahawks, what are they even doing? Drew Locke sucks. You're seriously going to tell me that the dude who's won double-digit games and thrown 30 touchdowns in the NFL is not better than Drew Locke, who's done literally nothing? Who has proven he can't hit anyone? He can't throw downfield either. Like, at least Baker will hit a downfield target. Like, let's just, let's not forget, Baker Mayfield has had success in the NFL. He's not perfect. He's not elite. He's not top tier. But we're basically at a point where he's fucking ass because everything hasn't gone his way despite having had success. But then you want to sit here and tell me that the Sam Darnold thing makes more sense because of payroll or whatever. It's fucking bullshit. The salary cap is fake. Look at what the Rams did. They just gave Aaron Donald a raise. How, How do the Rams have salary cap? They don't. The salary cap is fake. So all this stuff about Baker Mil- Baker Mayfield's $18 million guaranteed, blah, 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 it's bullshit, it's bullshit, it's bullshit. You can always restructure, you can always find a way. The NFL salary cap is fucking fake. It's not like the NBA salary cap where things are rigid and structured. The NFL, you can always find a way to move money around, change things to a bonus, change it from guaranteed salary to a roster bonus or blah, blah. There's always a way, there's always a way to add more money. So all this stuff about money is nonsense and teams are choosing to not add a quarterback who's actually won because they don't want to pay dollars. And that's fine. Just say we don't want to pay because we think our team sucks and we're going to have a losing season despite improving a quarterback. That's fine. He's not an elite player. He's not Tom Brady. He's not going to carry you to the next level. I get that. But if if I'm a GM, what I see is a distressed asset that I could theoretically turn into a halfway decent way to operate my team. Especially if you have everything in place but the quarterback. Listen, there's a lot of teams in that situation. I don't care what everyone says. Oh, we're set with this, that, and the other. Teams are looking for quarterbacks every year. And there's a lot of teams that could use a dude who is fucking successful at throwing 50-yard bombs. That is the one thing that Baker Mayfield does really well, and I understand He's not an elite quarterback, but I understand that teams that want to ground and pound and then run play action, he can do that, and he can do it fucking well. Joe Burrow pointed out recently that he hasn't beaten Baker Mayfield. It should mean something to you, and I'm not trying to say that Baker is elite and people are missing the point and blah, 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 but what I'm saying to you is that when you're looking at not having a franchise quarterback, there are still tears, And if you can get Baker Mayfield at sub $20 million, when you're looking at having to pay dudes who aren't the best quarterbacks in the league, 35 million at times, it actually makes sense. Put the right team around him, build the right offense, and you can have some success. And I understand that having some success is not the point, but again, the man got the Browns to the playoffs. That should say something. And that should give you at least a spot to build from, where if you can then replace him, good for you. But this idea that there's no team in the league that could use Baker Mayfield, and he's not at all anywhere near a starter, and he's complete garbage. Like, Derek Carr wouldn't throw the ball downfield for years, and would only check down. And then this last year, he threw the ball downfield a bunch, and now everyone loves him. What? Like, why is that somehow better? Like, the way that people evaluate things is fractured. And maybe that's just sports these days, fractured evaluations. But if you're going to tell me that Baker Mayfield is garbage and has no chance to do anything, I just really think people are missing out on what a team like Seattle could do with a player who functions in the way that they want to function, especially with the receivers that they have. You're going to tell me you don't want Baker Mayfield throwing bombs to DK Metcalf? I do. That's how I feel. Now, the quickest segment of the day, the gambling pick of the day. I really want to have like badass voice over things. We really need to get on this. Me, I produce, record, do everything myself. So I'm really just talking to myself here. But the point is gambling pick of today. Actually on tomorrow night, the lightning and the Rangers Over five and a half plus 120. Whole series has basically gone under. It's going to crack five and a half and it's going to crack five and a half tomorrow night. You never bet the under on playoff hockey. Been a weird series. Tomorrow there's going to be a lot of goals. So I would take that one if I was you. I'd put like three units on it. But that's me. That is what I would bet. That is what I will bet. Why would I say would bet? That's what I'm going to do. Thank God for gambling. huh? I'm so glad that gambling has become legalized that is one of the worst parts of my life was how difficult it was to gamble before. And now I'm fucking psyched. Tremendous. I want to cover pop culture on this show as much as I covered sports because so much of what I tried to do before was sports analysis and things that you can find everywhere else. But I truly just want to give people an insight into what I think about things so that you can understand why I'm tweeting like a lunatic all the time about various things so again I'm going to mention spoilers do you not want to hear them turn it off because I'm going to talk about Better Call Saul and I'm going to talk about Top Gun Maverick Better Call Saul a show that I have thoroughly enjoyed has veered to a point that I truly don't understand and Listen, I understand the character death is part of life, part of television, and we have to deal with it. But Better Call Saul, as my friend Keith has put it, has gotten to a point where we're teaching the main characters lessons by killing everyone around them. Nacho Vargas has to pay the price and die. Howard Hamlin has to pay the price and die Chuck McGill has to pay the price and die but Kim Wexler and Saul are just fine and I'm not saying that I want anything to happen to Kim or want anything to happen to Saul I don't but we've reached a point where tons of innocent people are dying or being murdered for the good of characters who don't deserve it in this season of Better Call Saul we've seen Saul screw a guy who really didn't deserve it and screw a bunch of old people out of their money or potential money just so that they could get their payout faster, essentially? And why would you root for these characters? And I understand the concept of, you know, Vince Gilligan's whole thing is, you know, I don't necessarily want you to root for my characters. I mean, he said during Breaking Bad that if you weren't on Skyler's side over Walt, you were a misogynist. That's an actual argument that he made. Fine. It's a TV show, but whatever. The point is... He doesn't necessarily even want you to like his character. So why are we making the show? Why does Howard Hanlon die? And by the way, how does Howard Hanlon dying help Lalo Salamanca prove that he's dead? Maybe there's something coming in the last couple of episodes that make all of this make sense. But if you're a known mafia leader or, excuse me, cartel leader who is thought to be dead by most of the world, does murdering a bunch of people with your own gun seem like a smart idea on how to continue that and even if it wasn't your gun does murdering them in front of your lawyer someone who definitely knows who you are seem smart and if you're gonna murder your lawyer doesn't you being a known mafia boss make you a potential target and therefore make people potentially look into whether or not you're alive when others are reporting that i don't understand the writing of this show and I really, truly feel like they do things just to shock us. You shoot Howard Hamlin in the head. I don't love Howard Hamlin. He's whatever. But we spent the whole season watching them torture Howard and ruin his life, only for Howard to then be shot in the head needlessly. What the fuck is the point of that? And by the way, they don't learn anything from it. We haven't seen the last few episodes, but all we can surmise based on what we know about the future is that Saul learns literally nothing from that lesson, and maybe Kim leaves. Or maybe she dies. Who knows? But what is the point? If, if, if we watched a whole season of them screwing Howard over, only for him to get shot, what's the point? And I understand someone like Vince Gilligan may say, Well, life doesn't always... It's not life! It's a TV show. I'm not trying to watch life. I'm trying to watch a television show. I'm not trying to watch the horrors of the real world. I'm trying to watch the horrors of a television show, which sometimes are ridiculous, sure. But all these things have done is created a situation where peripheral people who don't deserve it suffer for the main characters who now I can't feel anything but contempt for. And if you're trying to make me feel contempt for your main characters, I hate your fucking show so what and you know i'm not saying every single thing needs to have a happy ending or every single character needs to live but look at another bob odenkirk property nobody you know they get shot they get messed up but they live in the end okay like what is the point of this i'm gonna kill every single character it used to be that like killing a main character was like a shocking thing or killing the main character's family was a shocking thing. Now it's just constant. Now it's shocking when people live. I couldn't believe the end of Nobody when everyone lived. I was like, oh my god, everyone lived. What a surprising ending. It's a shocking now thing now when characters live. Now that's the shocking part. It's not shocking when you kill your characters. That's literally commonplace to do it all the time. And people are like, well, this is a dark world. Well, maybe I don't want to watch every single thing be horrendously dark. And I don't understand the point of building up an entire season of screwing this guy over just to murder him. And again, you might say, well, that's how it goes. Fine. If the way it goes is to give me a middle finger, then fuck Vince Gilligan and fuck any future projects that he may have. And I'll give your show a bad rating on whatever review sites there are. Like people don't give a shit about ratings, whatever. Who cares? I just don't understand giving a middle finger to your fans. And I feel like that's what this dude does. And it annoys the fucking shit out of me. Talk On the flip side of that, someone who actually knows how to take care of their fans is Tom Cruise, a person who understands that you don't just kill every single character to make everything go well. People have died in Mission Impossible. It's tough when they do, but the characters who die in Mission Impossible die in honorable ways that make sense to the script. They're occasionally peripheral. They're occasionally main. It makes sense. It's not random. It's not just at the whims of a random bullet all the time because the world is chaos. It's structured. And that's why I love Mission Impossible. And that's why I love this new new version of Top Gun. Because, I mean, truthfully, let's be honest. The original Top Gun is terrible. It's a bad movie. It's ridiculous. It's an 80s flick that makes no goddamn sense. It's just, it's... It's a way to, you know, push Tom Cruise and Val Kilmer playing volleyball. And then at the end of the movie, they show the same clips of Navy fighter jets in a scramble formation. They show the same thing like five times. They show the same mission launch 20 times. If you actually sit down and watch and dissect Top Gun, it's bad. So Tom Cruise knew that and undoubtedly he's done it. And it's bugged him for a long time, 30 years or whatever it is, hence Top Gun fabric, which is actually Top Gun done correctly real, they have a, they literally have Tom come on before the movie and say, there's real F F-18s, real G's, real planes, blah, 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 and they did Top Gun correctly, but not only is this movie done correctly in terms of, you know, real planes, it's an actual story, it's an actual film, there's real moments between Iceman and Maverick, there's real moments between um, Maverick and Penny Benjamin, a character from the first film that we never see, but between her and her daughter. There are real moments with Goose's son, who is one of the main characters in the film. We knew that we'd bring back Goose in one way, and through Goose, they his son. But the point is, this is an actual fucking film. No one would have thought that coming into it, but it's got a 99% audience score and a 96% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes. So I'm not the fucking only one saying this. Tom Cruise understands how to craft a film that makes you feel and makes you happy. And I watch so many of these shows where it's just violence on violence on violence. Great. You've you've crossed the the paradigm. You've shown how violent you can be. Whatever. Can you write a good story? And for anyone who's saying the Top Gun Maverick is not a good story, you haven't fucking seen the movie. Go see it. I've seen it twice. I'm going to go see it again. Yes, I am a Tom Cruise addict. I understand that. But if you want to watch a film that for once blends action Character development, emotion, and some pretty fucking badass sequences all at once. It's Top Gun: Maverick. Shout out to Chris McQuarrie for coming in towards the end. The trench run sequence at the end of this film, incredible. This is an incredible action film. One of the best movies of all time. People are talking about it, getting best picture nomination buzz. Again, I'm not making this up. You need to go see this movie. And it is, again, no one dies. Again, spoilers. But the point is well, Iceman dies, but he has cancer. Whatever. Again, I said spoilers, so your fault. But the people who actually go on the run don't die for once. We're not just killing characters needlessly. And that shit is important to me. Hope you listened to me earlier when I said spoilers. And now we're gonna move into the final segment of the podcast verse of the day where I'm just gonna start firing off verses because I enjoy rapping and I enjoy making music and I'm gonna just drop some old verses some new verses whatever the fuck I feel like you feel free to turn it off or turn it up it's on you but I'm gonna do it Yo, I'm a bomb cyclone, born in a psych home, fueling on trichomes, ice cold bull, my fortune's untold, but I own too many dice, all of which I've rolled, so my soul, cash and roulette, minus and plus rolled, I am a demon, I know, weed is to see the ISO, hate is the way that I flow, killing the mic till I blow, I'm L1 I am mellow on and ISO, in 09 when he was live, yo, Tom Brady, when I throw rock, catcher, the twihos, you're not encyclopedic, better go back and read it, radioactive thesis, turin shroud in my reaches, pure psycho, writing is tight though, living in night mode, knee to teach you what I know Intellectual, probably intersexual Flow is always changing cause my rhymes are so contextual In a casino, lawful in Reno Vegas between though Always stacking numbers like it's Kino The Blood Doctor Show, season two Acapella's how I ended for you Be good to everyone you know And those you might learn to know too I'll see ya in episode two And that's just how we do